y'all. Welcome to King of the Ride podcast. Uh, we, as cycling fans, just wrapped up paying attention to the UCI Gravel World Championships. Lombardia just happened. Cyclocross races are popping up on the calendar. That means it's fall. It is nice to be home. It's nice to feel settled down a little bit in this cooler end of season time of year. And that also means we just had the first ever USA Cycling Gravel National Championships taking place late summer 2023. I was there in Nebraska racing, and while I did not have a memorable day, I was able to record this memorable podcast. Ben Delaney, a longtime stalwart figure in cycling media, is our guest today. We live in an interesting age for cycling media, and Ben has a new and exciting and interesting format for how he's taking on this evolving slice of the world. So we'll talk about what he's doing in the here and now. We'll also talk about what he's witnessed over the past few decades covering cycling, what has impressed him, where the industry has let him down, what excites him, or where challenges still lie. I'm very happy we had the time to catch up, as Ben is someone I have known for a long, long time now. And given that you're listening to this podcast right now, I have a hunch you will dig it too. Hey, we're changing up the format for an upcoming show. AMA, ask me anything. Submit your questions. My family and I have just wrapped up a two-plus-month-long road trip, traveling to events all across the Rockies and West. Are you curious about anything van life? Submit your questions. What's my favorite cut of gravel beef? Ask me that. Where's my favorite place to ride? What's the perfect tire pressure? What's the future of gravel hold? Ask me anything. Submit your questions to he is Ted King at gmail.com. You can also send them over via social media, through direct messages. Instagram is a great start. I even check Twitter or X or whatever you call it these days from time to time. Send me your questions. We will amalgamate them and do a podcast on that topic. Ask me anything. The questions already come in, so this is a great way to have some fun with it. Hey, amid a hectic late summer, amid all that travel, with events, with uh, with life perpetually being on the go, I'm a huge, huge fan and longtime user of Whoop. I take a peek at my data in the morning. I see how I slept. I'm curious about my recovery score. I, if, I, if I had a hoppy fresh Vermont IPA or three, I'm not surprised to see that take a toll in the morning. I'm curious about my resting heart rate and HRV as those two figures relate to what I've done in the past 24 hours or so. In particular, I am enamored with the new Whoop Coach. This is a feature that uses AI, and I can ask it all kinds of questions, and Coach does the mining of data for me. For example, hey Whoop, I was on a road trip this past August and September. How does my strain, recovery, and sleep, how do those things compare to the same period last year? Bada boom, bada bim, two seconds later, I can compare and contrast with some really eye-opening results. I am about to provide you with a website from which you can get a free month of Whoop and a free Whoop 4.0 band in the color of your choice. That is a tremendous savings just by using this website, join.whoop.com slash TED. You get all that for free. Again, join.whoop.com slash TED. That is your path to examining some very key insights into your everyday. Lastly, the 13th annual King Challenge is next weekend, October 21st, Stratum, New Hampshire. 
This is a ride that I helped found back in 2011 as a benefit for adults living with brain injury after my father's stroke. We have raised more than a million dollars with this amazing family-friendly, fun, food-forward, it's unintentional, all those Fs, ride over all these years. If you think you can join, head on over to kingchallenge.org. Or if you have any interest in my fundraising efforts, head to the show notes and find my Pledge Reg link. This is hands down the most impactful day of riding of my year. Please join me. Please support me. We would love to have you. Check out King Challenge. Okay. Down to brass tacks. Ladies and gentlemen, Ben Delaney. fun about having been here for th- two days is that I feel like a local. And so on one <laughs> hand, I want to welcome you to Gearing, Nebraska. On the other hand, I first saw this town on a video on the USA Cycling's website site that you either created or were certainly part of. So you've been here before me. I can't I can't welcome you to Gearing. Well, thank you, Mr. Chamber of Commerce, Ted King. I'm delighted to be back in the lovely metropolis of Gearing, Nebraska. Yes, it is very exciting. Uh, you're coming in from Boulder, if I'm not mistaken. Is that home? Well, if you ask me where I'm from, yeah. I say I'm from Albuquerque. I claim New Mexico proudly. Okay. Land of green chili, breaking bad, crystal meth, etc. Uh-huh. Uh, but I've been living in Boulder ever since I moved there with my family in 04. Oh, wow. To work for a magazine called Velenews. Uh-huh. Rest in peace. Yep. Um, okay. Dig into that original New Mexico piece a little bit. Um What's just cold turkey? What's upbringing like? What's family life like? What's academics like? Uh, and ultimately, when does cycling enter your life? Uh, I'll, I'll answer that in a fragmented way. Perfect. Cycling. Yeah, I wrote a. You know, my first job was riding bikes and slinging words, and I've been kind of doing that ever since. So you know, I had a paper route. That was the first Once, job. Well, that was the first job. Okay. Uh, uh, like the storytelling, like riding the bikes, did not like the having to collect cash uh-huh. from customers. It was like child labor laws. I don't know how that, they yeah. did that back in the day. But yeah, so did that. You know, like, like a lot of kids rode, rode a bike sure. for fun. Got into racing in college. Go Lobos, University of New Mexico. Nice. Um, uh, never really saw bike racing as a career. Like, I knew people did it, but it was such an exotic, foreign thing. Mm-hmm. Bart yeah. Bowen, you know, we proudly, we New Mexicans proudly claim two-time U.S. road champion. Mm-hmm. But, you know, growing up, I didn't know anybody who did that as a living. So, like, yeah, um, yeah, I got into racing in college, worked for Bicycle Retailer as a trade magazine, and then that led to Bella News, and yeah, I've been an industry lifer ever since. And What were you studying way back when? Uh, way back when, I went to a little hippie school called Warren Wilson. Yeah. Uh, did creative uh, the writing. Carolinas? Exactly. Yes, yes. Okay. Yeah. Outside of Asheville, uh-huh. uh, in the mountains of Asheville. You know, three semesters in, even in a drunken stone stupor. I'm like, what am I going to do with a you know, master's degree in creative writing? And my uh-huh. co- 
your cohorts were a couple of years ahead answer that question. It's like, well, you could work at a bookstore where you, where you will be overeducated and underpaid. And like, I could do that for you. So I dropped, <laughs> dropped out, worked as a plumber for a while back in New Mexico, and then went to school for journalism, which I figured would be like a halfway between a, an artsy-fartsy, creative, this is fun, storytelling thing, and a more legitimate, get-your-ass-a-job trade school education. Uh-huh. Like So, yeah, the plan was to work for newspapers and when I grew up, but I never grew up and newspapers are no longer really a thing. So. Yeah. Warren Wilson, when I think of it, I think of it as a cycling school. Is that correct? It, it is now, yeah. Was it at yeah, the time? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's not on, uh, more for mountain biking. Like, there's fantastic mountain biking yep. there. It, it wasn't and still isn't, like, on a par with, like, Marion or like right. one of these, like, uh, get a scholarship to, so that was. Yep. So it wasn't until I came back to UNM that I got into bike racing okay. as a thing. And, and even that was, like, a circuitous route. Like, I was just riding my riding a mountain bike to the grocery store where I worked, and I realized if I smoked fewer cigarettes, it would be easier to get to the grocery store. <laughs> and if I took longer routes, it was a little more fun. And I remember uh-huh. seeing Bart Bowen in his Saturn kit on a cyclocross bike, which I don't even know what that was, yeah. like, on some trails. And I'm looking at him like, what is this stooge doing? Yeah. And he's looking at me, like, in steel-toed boots with, like, a cigarette on, no helmet and a T-shirt. Like, what is this idiot doing? Yeah. End up, like, riding with him on a club team many years down the road but uh-huh. um, all that to say my entry into pro cycling you know you and I met many a time at races but you were there as an athlete coming up from an athletic career and I was you know came in the back door as as far as storytelling was the the passion and the the objective of trying to get somewhere with a career and cycling was something that was just super fun to do and um, yeah it's that's still the case 20 Plus, years later, I yeah. love riding my bike, and I, I love the adventures of finding yourselves in hotel rooms in Garing, Nebraska, where there's, like, you know, competition is still part of it, mm-hmm. even even for, like, normal folks. Like, and sometimes it's just, like, competing with yourself or competing against the elements, and exploration is a part of it. And, right. And culture is a part of it, you know, like, who are we? What the hell are we doing here? Bunch of sometimes self-righteous people lecturing each other about things like we're all people in stretchy pants. Like, why are we so yeah. upset about this? But when you boil it down, it's pretty simple. <laughs> and presumably, most people do it. The majority of people do it because it gives them joy. Yes, which is your original thesis. Why you got in? You slinging words and riding bikes. Um, Two thousand four brought you to Boulder for Bella News. Yes, is that? Did I get that correct? Yes, sir. What was the first job there? Managing editor at Villeneuve's. Okay. Working for Kit Mickler was the editor at the time. Uh-huh. Um, and we were in Big Blue, this uh, building that yeah. like, half of Boulder. Oh, I remember is, that. Yeah. A little bit east of downtown. Yes. Yep. Yes. Uh, is now a, a weed grow operation, like so many places. But yeah, at the time, there was Villeneuve's was in there. Inside Triathlon, uh-huh. uh, Ski Racing Magazine was there. Of course. Uh, Velo Gear was this uh, catalog business. You know, this is clearly dating myself. People would get catalogs in the mail and buy yeah. things in the mail. And, yeah. Um, no different yeah. than, I mean, like a lot of things, uh, in the back of those magazines had race calendars. That's where you figured out where you are going to race. You didn't go on the internet. You... Yes. Up your magazine. Yes, race not just the what was upcoming, but what had happened. Yeah, and like the race results were in there. Like when mm-hmm. the magazines 
took on its name, it wasn't ironic. Like, fellow news was how you, many Americans, found out about what happened in a race two weeks ago as yep. it showed up in your mailbox. And yep. well, yeah, after I became editor, pulled the results out of the back because the internet existed, and more than one reader wrote in. Like literally hand wrote letters, yeah. outraged. Like, why? How am I now? How am I going to find out who won the bicycle race okay. if you're not publishing the results in the <laughs> magazine? <clears throat> so. What is what does the job title of managing editor mean? Uh, so, in the hierarchy, it's editor in chief is the. You know, publishers the, the top of the magazine, and listeners, I'm waving my hands around, which is, I'm sure, very helpful on a podcast. Uh, it's helpful top, for me, so you're, you're welcome to continue doing it. Top okay. of the triangle is the publisher, who is yep. who is the boss of on this side sales. So you've got the ad director and ad salespeople, uh-huh. and then uh, you know adjacent to editor in chief, and underneath there, managing editor, art director, and you know depends on the the size of the publication. Um, at the time, under there was like the web editor when the the web was like a new kind of offshoot novelty thing uh-huh. and now that's obviously overtaken everything and, and a, a print magazine is a antique novelty thing but managing editor keeps the trains running on time gives uh, reporters assignments and deadlines and makes sure that their stories are coming in on time and then takes a first read over them to make sure they're not saying total nonsense and then works with the art director to get them on the page and make sure that the words fit on the page and yeah. works with the uh, photography department to get photos to illustrate the thing. So when you're doing a feature on Ted King, do we have photos of him racing currently and maybe something from back in the day and captions mm-hmm. to go with and puts all the pieces together. And Stressful was super, super fun when it's all humming along. It's super fun. That's something I certainly missed even in the transition to the web where the web, it's easy. You can put as many words or as few words as you like. You know, it's this insatiable thing, and as many photos or as few photos you like. Right. But you can't change the format. You can't have like a giant photo on the wall or a tiny thing. Like it just is what it is. So it's certainly faster, but mm-hmm. um, not as creative necessarily. And as a testament to you can't believe everything you see on the internet, when I go about typing your name into the internet, it says there's no date to it. It says you're. Executive editor of Ella News. <laughs> Which they need to update this. Um, is a thing of the past. I mean, with no date. So, I mean, it's, it's quite fascinating. You type in your name and you click the Vela News link and it says all sorts of great stuff. Not least of which, uh, previously, previously worked at Vela News as editor in chief. Yep. Clearly. Or not clearly. Um, bike Radar, U.S. editor in chief, as well as a job at Specialized. Um, where. Where do each of those fit into your chronology? The specialized bike radar, other Velo News role. So chronology within the bike riding world was bicycle retailer for a number of years, then moved to Boulder, Velo News, number of years was managing editor, then editor-in-chief. Um, jumped ship there after a couple of years under private equity investors cracked me. Uh, and then... Yeah, ended up at Specialized in global marketing, mm-hmm. doing brand communications. Part of that I loved, and part I was not terrified by, but like not wasn't a great fit. I don't know if I just lacked the self-discipline to say on brand mm-hmm. with the messaging of like Tomic's the best, Tomic's the best, and just kind of mostly. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, that was educational time and uh, just a very brief foray into being on that commercial side instead of just the wandering editorial storyteller side. 
and then Bike Radar US editor in chief for a while, and that was that I that was a hoot because that was just gear focused. Yeah. Whereas Vela News was like, what are the Ted Kings of the world doing? And which is you know fascinating, watching the best in the world do their thing. Um, but the it's not necessarily the most balanced lifestyle if you like riding bikes, you know. Uh, whereas if your job is to cover gear, part of the job is playing with said bike. So I was like, <laughs> oh, this is cool. Yeah. I remember coming back from you know covering the tour multiple times, and people were like, oh, so what's it like to ride bikes in France? That must be awesome. I'm like, I have no effing idea. If I'm, right. I'm in a car or a press room. <laughs> um, At all but, hours. Yeah. Followed by transfers. Followed yeah. by... Yeah, yeah, you Meals know that, at midnight. Yeah, you know that there's there's many sides to the bike racing life. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, so bike rider would be a hoot because I could still go to the classics, but it'd be like, okay, I'll just go before the race starts, go bug the mechanics in the morning, uh, and then go, yeah, watch the race, have a beer, do the sportive right? And so that was like, oh, this is now we're getting somewhere. Like, so you're covering tech of all all kinds. It wasn't just, hey, I'm going to acquire a bicycle and pedal it and talk about the ride quality. It was at the races. Talking to the team mechanics and seeing what the riders are racing and, and so on and so forth. Is that yes, right? yes, yeah. So, so Bike Radar was for many years the sister site to Cycling News, and Cycling News, as you know, you know that just covers pro racing. Mm-hmm. Period. It goes deep, and Bike Radar covers gear primarily from just a here's a new thing, here's a new thing, here's a new thing, which is fine, and they've got a great business in terms of SEO and that people are searching for stuff because people want to buy shiny new widgets. Uh-huh. So if you deliver content about said shiny new widgets that will work um uh, i find like the context of this stuff is a lot more interesting than just the thing in and of itself like some people are like like true tech nerds can be fascinated just with like a manufacturing process or like the engineering capabilities of something new and i guess i'm i don't have the I don't know, like smack talk myself. Like I don't have, I'm not intelligent enough to understand it. Like that's just that in of itself isn't that captivating. Like right. What's interesting to me about a bike is riding the thing and where you ride it. You know, like if we never, if I never wrote, if no one rode a gravel bike, I wouldn't be interested in talking about it. But uh-huh. since we're here in Nebraska, like I've been dorking out about talking about, yeah, which, what tires you run, bro? What you got to push, push? You know, exactly. and that, that's what makes it interesting. It's like, what are we doing with this stuff? And then if you can ask the best in the world, hey, what are you doing with this stuff? Especially at the classics where people bring out weird things that are a little off script. Mm-hmm. That's the, the fun part. And yeah, the, the cobbles were always the best time for that because it wasn't just, here's another $15,000 Right. Bicycle that you see all the time. So not novelty and you know variety is the spice of life. Mm-hmm. I believe that. If if you were to plant yourself back in Belgium in uh, call it a dozen years ago, do you think you ever would have extrapolated then the position we are in the industry now? Which is to say, a lot has transpired in the past dozen years. Um, not least of which your job and, and what you are doing, cycling media, what that has done, the cycling industry, what that has done. Um, were you able to see forests and trees? Like, were you able to predict a bit of, of an evolution in that 12-year period 
and I'm arbitrarily picking 12 years, and I'm asking you if you have the benefit <laughs> of yes, hindsight I, to say I, yes. I knew at the time we'd be sitting here in this hotel. <laughs> Heck no. It's going to be no. Gearing, Nebraska, somewhere yeah. in southwest Nebraska. Did I predict gravel? Heck no. When I, For the first few years, it was a thing. Like People like Nick Legan mm-hmm. banging the drum. I'm telling them, like, no, this is a terrible idea. Have, what you were do, doing sounds terrible. Right, and clearly, hopefully you flipped through his... He is the, the the he the man wrote the book on gravel. Yeah, I have, coffee table book. It's great. Yes, I love beautiful. it. Beautiful, great okay. resource. I, yeah. So I've gone from like rejecting to the lemonade to pouring people the lemonade yep. and yelling about the lemonade, and now I'm a full on evangelist. And I wasn't book. trying to make that but, a purely a point about gravel. It was more. It was an overarching. Yeah. You know. No, I mean like storytelling. The, I'd like to think that I could have told you 12 years ago that there's always going to be a bit of a roller coaster in terms of interest. And success, whether that's, you know, Americans on the world tour stage or trends in road versus mountain, uh, you know, fat years and lean years. Mm -hmm. But any of the specifics, no way. So you didn't predict (laughs) the pandemic? I didn't. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, some some long. We're going to sell a ton of bikes. Some long trends like, yes, print is changing the internet is a thing. Mm-hmm. You know, those, those, those were probably like the two big dynamics in the bike world, at least in my little, little weird Venn diagram of like the weird bike world and the weird media world. It's like, okay, this, yeah, something's changing, but we, nobody knows what. Mm-hmm. Um, was there anything wildly cringeworthy in, in cycling media that you're like, ah, oh, this is a failure. What we were doing now is like, we need to correct this or, or standout pillars of things that are supremely successful that, that needs to remain amid a fluid media? Well, uh, some things in retrospect were clearly, I don't want to say an embarrassment, but like we were way off of being myopically focused on what white males are doing. Mm-hmm. Um, Fair. You know, like women's coverage wasn't really much of a thing, and when it was, it was like, hey, here's a... And we wouldn't have used the word token, but... Um, like being at Flanders, for instance, yeah, but sometimes there, we would put a little bit of women's coverage in, but it was, it was never given equal thought or coverage. So in retrospect, that was an absolute failure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and that not just like, I'm not putting bell news, but just like as a culture, sure. that was something where, yeah, we've progressed. Right. Yeah. You would have had to be prophetic to have done it. Uh, because no one was doing it. The bike races didn't have media. Yeah. Didn't have television coverage. Didn't have spectators. Didn't have money. Yeah. Yeah. We're in a change time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So any, on the opposite end, anything that was. Another thing that's, that was a big change of just thinking about uh, um, like Instagram kids popping up covering either races or just in, in the cycling sphere. We, the aloof old media guard, were, were very dismissive. We're like, what are, why are you bringing these nice cameras just to put photos on, on, on your phone, on Instagram? Like, what are you doing? Yeah. Like, that's, that's, that's not real media. That's not real coverage. And they're like, oh, wait, your audience is 10 times larger than ours. <laughs> <clears throat> Hmm. Maybe we should figure out how cameras and phones work. And yeah. So that that has been, uh, you know, initially initially humbling, but then inspiring. Like, hey, there's there's always new ways coming up of 
storytelling and ways to engage and and capture things and deliver them and engage with folks and uh, so something I predicted heck no and yeah. again like with gravel for my first interaction with it when I was when this horse was led to water I was like <laughs> 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 that's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. Hey, yeah. hey, keep, hey, bro! Can you show me how to make a reel on Instagram? Yeah, that yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and with the perfect segue of of talking about videos, you have certainly kept up with the times by creating the ride with Ben Delaney, which enters a foray into the privateer life. When when does that idea? I mean, you sent me text, man. I should go back through the text exchange. From years ago. Speaking of be like, hey, Ted, how do you do this? Yeah. <laughs> I'm thinking of doing this thing. That's, that's different Help. than the norm. What? Yeah. Uh, when does that enter your your realm of possibility and, and talk to me about where what has become? Sure. Uh, first time I was seriously considering it was when Bike Radar closed its U.S. shop and laid us all off. And I was like, you know, at that time I had been doing video for them in that I would film pieces and then hand off said pieces to a competent editor who put them together and somehow make something usable out of my hot mess. Yeah, anyone who's bought a GoPro realizes that it's not sexy when you shoot anything. You need a good editor. Yeah, turning stuff on. Like, yeah, a monkey can turn on a camera. Yeah. But, um, but I thought, well, maybe could I, could I train this monkey to, to do editing? But ultimately, like, didn't have the guts to go for it at that time, um, and then ended up working to help launch a brand called Roll Massif, which is mm-hmm. some cycling events, and that was a backdoor back into Velenos, which was acquired, like so many other things, into you know, what's now part of Outside. Mm-hmm. Uh, laid off again um, in a round of layoffs, which is like very on trend for both media and the bike industry. Again, like that Venn diagram of like bike industry woes of mm-hmm. all the brands, bike brands, the Zwifts, the Wahoos, like you name them, multiple rounds of layoffs. And then media, ironically, even though it's like interest, is, the audiences are bigger than ever. Nobody's figured out how to make a great business out of it because we all expect if it's on the internet, it's free. So yeah, yeah laid off again. Yeah. Um, Still well behind pace of my friend Josh Patterson, who's on layoff number six in journalism, oh my. including two at the same newspaper in Kansas. So it's, okay. it's you know part of the uh, occupation hazard. Uh-huh. I'll say. So at this time I was like, why, what, why not go for it? And part of that was, part of that gumption was watching people like yourself or Pete Stetna or, you know, go on down the list now of like individuals making a go of it on their own instead of being a worker bee for a corporation where you can work your face off and they'll take your work and then if something gets sideways, bye bye now. Um, yeah. And and not that I would dissuade anybody from working for a large corporation. I certainly like miss many elements of that. Um, but I can remember like my grandfather worked for Kraft for thirty plus years. He's like, you know, they told me on a Wednesday that Friday would be my last day and I think that's just kind of a reality. Mm-hmm. So I figure, like, if you're going to work hard, why not take a gamble on yourself once or twice? So, yeah, trying to live up to that. And that's uh, the creative freedom is a treat. Uh, I certainly miss having people to bounce ideas off of. And when I do, I feel kind of like I'm 
not wasting their time, but like burning favors. Like when I'm asking you, hey, Ted, can you show me how to write a business plan and put my pants on because I've got to go to school all by myself. I don't know how to do it. And it seems like you can trust yourself well. Yeah. Um, as opposed to like being coworkers or teammates or something like this where there's like an infrastructure and there's a precedent even might not be perfect, but like there's a thing to follow as opposed to, I don't know, man, like just make it up, put the yeah. pieces together and give it a cracks. Yeah. So well, that's the advantage of being first to market is whatever you're putting out there is, is first. And it's, it's so long as it's mildly interesting, people are going to be latch onto it and then it grows and grows and you learn. I mean, presumably somewhere along the line that is what has happened. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Was it when you first started doing this privateer thing? Was it okay? I'm going to latch on to YouTube. Was it social media? What? What are the literals of it? The literals YouTube, hundred percent. Okay. In that, my skill set in descending order goes words, photos, video. Mm-hmm. But I did not see a way forward as an independent media person to make a living on words like what mm-hmm. am i going to do a newsletter and ask for donations mm-hmm. like my last one of my last jobs at outside was you know membership director of the cycling group of asking people who we knew through analytics were on our sites multiple times a day for multiple minutes hey could you please give us a few dollars to support us yeah. and that's a tough ask and, and granted like especially if your heart is not there like your heart is in the bigger picture but your heart isn't telling stories not in Asking people for money. Yeah. Again, right? like back to the newspaper thing. Like I was happy like writing bikes and slinging newspapers, like knocking on people's doors. Be like, excuse me, ma'am, yeah. could you please pay your bill? You haven't paid. <laughs> Slam. Oh. Oh. Skip your house tomorrow. But I, I do think the, the smaller the operation, the more of a sympathy vote you can get. Not that that will, is long-term sustainable, but I think it's just an easier ask. Like with the folks at Escape Collective, for instance, you know, being perceived rightly as a smaller player. Mm-hmm. You know, there's 10 of them or whatever, as opposed to like the corporate monolith of outside. They can put their hat out and be like, hey, help us out here. We're doing this work for you. Would you put some bucks in? And people initially like put mm-hmm. some money in. So, um, Do you have, to go on to a detour, tangent, do yeah. you have any idea how well they are doing in that venture uh, from a business model standpoint? Specifically, no. I mean, that's something that, yeah, I should ask Wade Wallace or, or Kaylee Fretz. They definitely exceeded their goal and obligating like 10 days of getting yep. that initial thing. And I know it's like leveled. Again, I'm waving my hands around on a podcast. <laughs> yeah, you know, that and, you know, initial super steep growth is, is not the continued trajectory. And it's generally, and, and I think that's, that's the tricky anyway. thing like going, going forward is like making that a sustainable thing in a society where subscription fatigue is a real thing. Like sometimes it's not even about the dollar amount. Like my wife, for instance, will go down the credit card thing and be like, okay, so Zwift $15 or a $6 Peacock four ninety nine. Like mm-hmm. what are these things? Do you mm-hmm. even use them? I'm like, uh, we have Peacock to watch the tour or uh, yeah, I, yeah. I don't even know where that ring is. I, uh, so it's, so it's almost just the the concept of forehead slapping of like, I don't really need more stuff. Right. Um, I think well, yeah, there's independent businesses that purely will unsubscribe these subscription services for you. So <laughs> the fact that that exists means that fatigue is a thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, to answer your question with YouTube, it was like, okay, there's revenue is built in, not a huge amount unless I were to take my daughter's advice and do cat and, and puppy videos. <laughs> um, 
But, you know, I saw that as, like, uh, like, 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 one of, like, four four legs of the stool. Like, that's the thing. And there's, like, a built-in potential huge audience there. And I was looking at folks like David Arthur in the U.K. as, you know, I was, just as I was sending you texts, I was sending him messages like, hey, Dave, can you show me how the Internet works? Yeah. And how, because he went gangbusters during COVID. Uh-huh. And, you know, similar background, former bike journal, dabbled his foot in it like part-time and then just went all in and then it's been going great so yeah he's his is a wheel that i've been trying to follow what what's the cadence of the videos that you're producing at least once a week are you self-editing oh yeah that is a task and i don't want to bore the listener who has never bothered and never will bother editing but yeah that's like that's a job unto itself. That's why there are editors out there, and yeah. I self-edit my videos too. So I, I I empathize and get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And with again with words, there's just so much more wiggle room, which is why I may have gravitated to that in high school as opposed to math, where like either you've got it or you don't. Yeah, words like you can BS your way around a lot of stuff. Like you go to get the <laughs> get the interview after the brace, and your batteries are dead, and you get back to type it up. You're like son of a beast, thing. I've got nothing. Yeah, I can paraphrase. Yeah, sure. Ted said he was tired, but he went on to attack anyway. In video, like if you don't have it, you've got nothing. You're yeah. starting over again. So yeah, there's a lot of many. A lot of humbling things about it. Uh huh. What? What is the business model? Meaning, you are supported by a handful of brands as well. Uh, yeah, for me, there's there's yeah four four legs on the stool. Okay. The YouTube ad revenue, mm-hmm. which I would hope in like two or three years could be a more substantial chunk. Um. Right now, that's not paying for the Lamborghini. Lamborghini that's in the parking lot that's mm-hmm. blocked somebody else. Mm-hmm. Um, annual sponsors are a thing, and I've blocked off segments that I'm not covering or reviewing. So, Giro helmets, Castelli clothing, feedback tools, and stands. Mm-hmm. And so, it's just it's a product placement thing and stuff that I'm using anyway, and I'm not going to be doing reviews on stretchy pants. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yes, we're certainly grateful to have their support and can do some storytelling around things that. Like where there's an adjacent interest. Yeah. Um, eyes are eyes, man. Like, I think that's awesome. It's 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 understood by the viewer, but seeing what somebody who knows what they're doing use these things in the right way, I think is outstanding. So. Yeah, and maybe well I'm done. like too precious and pretentious of like just having like the J school background of like separation of church and state. Like, I credit like if if I don't have credibility, I've got nothing. You know, like I'm not a pro athlete. People aren't looking at me to go fast, right? So the the pro athlete model doesn't work. I can't be sponsored tip to tail and and be left with anything to talk about. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, or maybe I'm just, I just I don't see an easier way forward. Whereas if I can speak freely about all the bikes and tires and gear and such, in addition to the human stories, there's still a lot of wide open pasture there you know um yeah i mean i'd love to be to the point where like i have like a subaru sponsorship or something like this where right. it's clear yes subaru is or making this thing work or lamborghini yeah take a lamborghini that would be a perfect fit for gravel <laughs> the lambo van uh-huh. yeah coming 2024 um yes yeah so giving you a long answer to a short question annual sponsorships is a thing mid-roll reads which i'm using the wrong terminology i'm using podcast terminology yeah partway through a thing about like, hey, this episode was brought to you by perk coffee good folks down in savannah georgia roasting up a bunch of different blends they support 
different cycling causes and they're supporting this Yahoo. So check them out. Use the code RIDE15, Ted King. Get yourself some good coffee. They just got a free ad. They, yeah, there you go. That was you can, amazing. You can bill them later. Okay. I'll, I'll I'm get you the shoot uh, them an invoice. Accounts payable <laughs> at perkcoffee.com. <laughs> so just, Perfect. Just as an example. Um, yeah, and then uh, race course previews is another piece. So, yeah, the last time I was here in Gang was putting together a video for this race we're at now, USA, the first inaugural USA Cycling Gravel National Championships of, like, here's what to expect, here's what the train looks like, here's, you know, how it's all going to play out. Um, I was gun-shy initially, like, oh, if I'm selling this, is this going to be seen as I'm selling out? Like, I'm getting, like, old school journalists, like, uh, and the response was like, hey, that was super helpful, could you do more of those, please? Yeah. Like, oh, mm. Yes, I hope so. And now that I've got a few of those done, it turns out, and you've probably found this yourself, when you've when there's a body of work to point to, it makes it a lot easier to sell it going <laughs> forward than just waving your hands around right. like a crazy person. Like, hey, envision this. Proof I can do concept. a thing. It's going to be great. Yeah. Proof of concept is a valuable thing. Um, how? Let's take the, the course preview here as an example. Yes. Um, you rode with, I think, three other cyclists. You're not all the shots are from arm length drone, as I call it, with your arm. Again, now I'm the one putting my arm out in self, you know, taking a <laughs> selfie video. Yeah. Do you have a video? Do you have a team? Do you have anybody? Or is it like you are a one man show? I've got friends. Okay. And, you know, when we can put together something like this with USA Cycling, where there's a bit of a budget, yep. then it's, hey, Josh Bernal is a talented Kiwi shooter. Yeah. Would you be interested in, in going up to Gary, Nebraska mm-hmm. for a one-day shoot? Yeah, sure. Love okay. bikes. Let's do it. Yep. So, yeah, so Josh rolls in. You know, you and I were talking about our, our little Sony $900 Sonys that overheat, and I sometimes have to put them in the refrigerator <laughs> halfway through shooting in my garage. Pro uh, jo- Josh has, like, you know, a $10,000 Sony and multiple labs and a big drone that he'll put in the air. Um, and sometimes his, you know, yeah. So, so in certain elements I can pull in pro assistance, Yeah, <laughs> which is kind of funny because occasionally people watch videos and be like, Hey, Delaney, you're really stepping up your game. I like that. It's like, no, no, don't worry. Yeah. I'm still a total hack amateur. That yes. was just a pro friend who did that. Next video we'll be back, you know, one man banding it with a, a Sony with a broken battery latch and a GoPro. I hear you loud and clear. And I, I self-deprecation is a wonderful thing. My, my point is, yeah, people would be like, oh, I really love that your videos. And I appreciate that. And I always say, yeah, the, the really quality ones are the ones done by Ansel. And he makes phenomenal videos. And he does it for a career. And mine are the crappy ones done on the side. And I think there's some, the, like, there is wiggle room. I mean, if Ansel were in this room, I would point out that his videos are a thousand times better than mine. To the viewer, it's content. It's this revolving wheel of content. People just sort of watch and watch and watch and give it the thumbs up or hit next. So, yeah. Delaney, you're, you're stepping up your game. Well done. Thank you. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. And I, I would agree, like, the pronoun is outdated, but I still believe that content is king. That's an old term use of it. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, the more immediate the content is, the more forgiving the audience is on the lack of polish. Yeah. You know, like if there's a, you know, a building on fire downtown, 
and you're showing that on social media, no one's going to be like, wow, your, your cell phone footage is a little shaky. You're like, oh, okay, good to know. Thanks for the heads up. And yeah, I think what, you, what, you've, what you've been doing, I mean, hopefully we're not all burning down here, but like, yeah, what you've been doing is providing a, a unique and interesting and welcoming point of view that is exciting for most of us who are just sitting there like on our couch or in a cubicle for those of us who are still like working in an office. Um, and that's, that's a value. And I mean, you could have the best, you know, Ansel probably tell you this, you know, you could have like the, you know, the best, uh, cinematic chops in the world. And if your story sucks, like nobody cares. Right. So yeah, ideally we could have both, but I'm laughing because I'm still thinking, like, how do we do the nine-second cat videos? Because I feel like they're still killing it. <laughs> they're 200 million views. Yeah. Yeah. Do you feel like there's things that would get a big boost that you're wary of that you don't want to do? Like the like your version of a cat video? Um, because, you know, controversy, sex sells, controversy sells. And, you know, it seems like... You, know, you could poke um, controversy for the sake of getting a boost. Is that something that's ever of interest to you? Like, how do you how do you determine like what you're going to, what stories you're going to do, what videos you're going to do? Um, in working with Ansel, one of the first things he taught me, or imparted, and I absorbed it, was make it educational. You want the viewer to learn something, and I don't think you learn. Something. I mean, so that that's the differentiator between educational and cat video. Cat video is purely entertainment, right? Yes. Um, and I'd rather stick to something that is educational rather than a cool, sexy. Now, I, I should retract that because I feel like social media is the cat video equivalent. Like yes. If I'm going to do any sort of long format video, then I want it to be... That's where the educational piece comes in. Uh -huh. So, for example, I will probably, if I have the time and gumption to do it, I've been shooting... You know, you collect the content, and you're like, ah, oh, cripes, now I need to piece it together in some sort of semblance of uh, uh, entertainment. I want to do one about what does it take to come here, right? I mean, typically when I'm going to an event, I am traveling with a family, often in a van or flying in with a family, and that yep. I don't even have the time to begin to look after creating a story. But it's like, okay, what am I doing? What are my secret tips? What is my, like, why do I like this Dynaplug instead of a different Dynaplug? Yes, yes. Um certainly it's been done, but I mean, I think people do gravitate to the people they follow and, and are interested in, you know, there are a lot of people who tell me that they buy Cannondales because I ride a Cannondale. And so yeah. I want to tell them that I'm yeah. using these things because I use these things. Yeah. Anyway, controversy, nah, I can see the value of it because that would certainly increase viewership. Uh, I also like I, at the end of the day, I'm also not a, a journalist in that sense. Like I wouldn't go up to Keegan and be like, "Keegan, tell me about hydration packs." Okay, Pete, tell me about hydration packs and break that all down. Uh -huh. Just like, uh -huh. I don't think I have the time for that. <laughs> yeah. Um, yourself? Do you see a cat video equivalent? Do you? And I, I apologize for continually using that term. Like the the quick cells. Do you do those? Do you want to do those? No, I mean I'd I'd love to see YouTube numbers go up and up and up and up rapidly, um, 
but yeah i mean it's a it's a passion play like a, uh, and this gets more into like just like the murkier more like emotional drive of it of i want to do something that feels right as well as something that's like analytically correct mm -hmm. you know and it's fun to think about the editorial selection process back in the magazine days pre-analytics where what a good story was was determined by a handful of people sitting around a table mm -hmm. mostly dudes talking about what we thought was cool mm -hmm. and usually like the highest paid person got to decide ultimately like what was going on the cover it was like a bit of democratic process yeah but it was like it was a small group where like you know tastemakers is an overstated term but like it was a few people making decisions like here's what's good and you, you didn't really have much feedback as to which issues were good other than your sell-through data from newsstands Okay. Which basically came down to, if you put Lance on the cover, you would sell a lot of magazines. If you put a mountain biker on the cover, you wouldn't sell so much. If you put a female on there, you wouldn't sell hardly any at all. That would have no reflection at all into the other hundred stories in that magazine. Yeah. And it's super limited. So compare that to now, where on our phones, we can see who is, how many people are reading any given story, how long they're staying on that story, what size monitor they're viewing your story on, yeah. like, et cetera, so like yeah. total yeah. Big Brother stuff. Yeah. Um, and I'd like to do both of like, go with what your gut says is a good idea of like, yeah, what's the difference that you've you know, been a pro racer where everything is taken care of. Now you're taking care of everything yourself. What's the methodology? How do you do that? Because everybody here in Garing is doing that and they mm -hmm. want to know what the best are doing. Mm -hmm. And that's based on gut. And I bet the analytics would back that up. Like when you do that video, the analytics would back that up. Um, but you know, analytics would also back up doing something super salacious. Yeah. But your gut would never tell you to do that, and that's kind of where I am. I mean, I will occasionally like dabble a, a little bit in the very like PG realm of bike dorkdom. Uh -huh. For instance, at Steamboat, there was a very scandalous thing there, Ted. It was a new wheel size, I, I, 750D. People lost their minds. I did a little 60-second uh -huh. Instagram reel, uh -huh. very tongue-in-cheek, like, hey, friends, there's a new wheel size that's changing the world. And I raised my eyebrow a little bit and let John Carey talk about this. That blew up, and 90% of the comments were angry angry huh. which like bike people are funny like you're sitting there on your phone you're like war in ukraine kids getting shot in an elementary school but you know famine a new bike wheel size this i, I want to punch somebody in the face what is go this is an outrage <laughs> um so something like that i'll lean into a little bit but that's within very narrow parameters of yeah just talking about bikes and exploration and that's still my happy place I still feel like there's plenty there and like with gravel it's definitely a niche mm -hmm. you know but you know as we were covering European road racing and we were on the wrong side of the ocean for that yeah compared to now yeah GCN is 800 pound gorilla on YouTube was started out with YouTube money back in the day and they're doing a great job but they're yeah. one never going to touch bike reviews with a 10 foot pole because it's all paid Mm -hmm. product placement mm -hmm. it's a great business model they're making a lot of money and two they're on the wrong side of the ocean for gravel which is largely you know made in america so yeah i feel like you know be here now man so that's terrific points um <laughs> it, yeah i mean i won't even echo anything that you said there so so your mo with the ride is to talk tech in short i mean like you said you're you're 
your word is very valuable and that's why you aren't taking bike advertisements, bike advertisement dollars, for example, because you are testing a variety of different bikes. Correct. Amid all of the tech that you've seen in this fluid, fledgling, exciting, presumably exciting state of gravel, is there anything that is that is standing out to you? Is it 700, 750 wheels? Is it double decker handlebars? Is it the the state of flux? I find to be fascinating. Yeah. I mean, there's one thing like I, I don't want to cover just tech. I like the personal interest stuff, but it doesn't necessarily traffic quite as well. So, for instance, I was up in New York, um, and I'm getting a hang out with uh, Genevieve Johnson, yeah. who I covered like back in the day, and did a what I thought was a very enjoyable interview with her for 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. You know that got. Ne- not nearly as much traffic as uh, top five gravel tires would. So, so there, like, I, tr- I want to be able to balance the two of like, and you know do- why doing the top five gravel tires is going to keep the lights on. Yeah. And I still want to be able to do things like if I've got an opportunity to, to speak with someone like that in an open, honest way, like, absolutely, I want to be able to do that. Even if traffic wise, yeah. if the bean counters would say, like, that story's a dog, don't do it. I, and I would conjecture a guess. That that story didn't do well because a dozen years ago, Jean Viev was on the cover of Vela News, and because she was a woman on the cover of Vela News, that that magazine didn't sell well. Her story is fascinating. I bet the majority of people listening right now don't know who Jean Viev Jusson is. She is she was what arguably the world's best cyclist, certainly North America's best, arguably. Doped to the gills, had a strange relationship with her coach, and. Was a heartbreaking tragedy of a story, and now she's in gravel. <laughs> yes, and and yes. yeah, the majority of people wouldn't know who that is. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So an obscure, so that like a bit a bit of a rabbit hole of a thing. But um, I see your point. all, all yeah. that to say. Those if, are, you, if you go to the ride, occasionally there'll be stories that aren't just about inanimate objects. There Jean Vier, what there, bike are you riding? There are occasionally people in there talking. Yeah, um, that's very cool. Uh, but yeah, to answer your question about tech, just the fact that we haven't agreed upon what the heck it is, <laughs> is fertile ground. Is it waxed chains? I told somebody that waxed chains in five years are going to be tubeless five years ago. Yeah, I can see that. I can see that. And I'm so embarrassed that I'm going to be <laughs> buying a crock pot here shortly and have a crock pot of wax in my basement. Yeah. I'm yet to wax my chain. Have you done it? Yes, I I just again like on the very very long list of things that I first made fun of and now find myself doing. I don't know if that's karma or what it is. Whether the, you know, first it was gravel, then first, it was wax yeah, chains. it's just, it's a long list. But yeah, just bought uh, an ultrasonic cleaner and I'm quite tickled with it. My wife saw that. She's like, wait, wait, what is this? You bought this for your bicycle chain? This, you are old. You yeah. realize that you, you bought a device to clean your bicycle chain? Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> And a couple uh, female cyclist friends piped up like, well, tell her you can clean her jewelry. I was about to say that. I was about to say that. <laughs> That's outstanding. Um, yeah, yes. just, yeah, the fluidity just, of tech is it is fascinating, and not just the tech, but just, but with gravel itself. Like, what are yeah. there supposed to be? Are we supposed to be teams? Are we supposed to be privateers? Are, is USA Cycling even supposed to do this? Because gravel's about sticking a finger to the man, and USA Cycling's the man, man. That car, it, mm-hmm. Well, actually, no, it'd be kind of cool if we could get a jersey. Just that uh, debate, and even like the internal debate, like, did I pick the right tire for this race? Yeah. There's so much 
it's up in the air to cogitate about. I think that's fun. We haven't agreed what it is yet in terms of distance or formula or gear or wax or tires or, you know, yeah. on down the line. Do you have any crystal balls in that department? Well, I mean, where we are now is tricky in that to, you know, did I predict COVID? No. You know, where we had an enormous demand for bikes, everybody's cuckoo for Cocoa Post, which was awesome. And I mean, it was obviously terrible times in many ways, but being able to ride bikes out on roads with nobody else, that was a blessed time in space. Mm -hmm. Um, But there was no supply uh, for a while now we've done the reverse and bike shops are full and warehouses are full and suppliers are full and demand is falling off a cliff and a lot of bikes on sale a lot of yeah it's a great time to buy a bike yes it but is but everybody bought a bike so yeah 50 percent off yeah labor day sales still going still running mm-hmm. um so Do you think I, that's there's, there's any chance be, of changing there's like, gonna be a reckoning you know i think yeah. there's gonna be a winnowing down of brands and shops and even like with gravel races there's so many now uh-huh. that it's again good for consumers choice is nice um but i think that's we'll probably see fewer big time events and just still a lot of mom and pop small events um and then i think shorter gravel events will be more prevalent. I mean, right now, if you look at reg numbers at most of the the big ones, the unbounds, the steamboats, the what I call the fundy hundy is usually the biggest pop yeah. in terms of because it's still like a big challenge. Mm-hmm. It's plenty far, mm-hmm. but it's doable, especially if you're going to do a couple few of them in the in a year. You know, mm-hmm. like when unbound was the one, the the epic sense of can I even finish this was like part of the the ethos of the participants which was cool but like just sort of like just getting really hammered like it's yeah it's cool to do that sometimes but like not every tuesday you know right like, and now that there's so many events and i mean it's got to be fatiguing for someone like yourself trying to do all that in addition to family life and traveling to said events and doing a 200 mile race and then packing your life into a van and driving yeah. 600 miles and stopping for diapers and like, you know, all around, like it's, it's a lot. Yeah. And when that's your job to do it. And so for people who are doing it as recreation, uh-huh. um, I don't think every event has to be the most epic thing you've ever done in your life. Right. There's an interesting thing happening in that, you know, the fundo hundo, when there is a 200-mile race, and the Fundo Hundo is the most populous ride, we, I, I've certainly noticed that that has also become much more competitive. Uh, people are realizing that. And maybe it's as, purely as a result of sheer numbers. But it's, So they have a competitivity element. Yeah. And the whole point of this gravel, we always harken back to the community. Yeah, people want to finish up and, and hang out at the expo and hang out with the finishers. And if you're going to ride half the speed and half the distance, great. You're going to finish at the same time and be there with all your folks that you're reading about on yeah. So-and-So magazine. Yeah. So, interesting. Uh, yeah, I think that is... What I, what I think is cool that I've noticed here... As USA Cycling is taking the lead with the fir- their first ever hosted race, I think it's their first ever hosted race, uh, is rolling closure 
That's a reckoning that happen, needs to happen in gravel. Yes, sir. We are racing on open roads, and they are dangerous. Full yes. stop. Yes. And, okay, granted, this is going to be a rolling enclosure that's probably not going to come, guaranteed will not encompass the full group, but that is a step in the right direction. And admittedly, because we're crossing so many main roads and probably because of the support of having the backing of a USA Cycling, it yes. looks like they're going to be a lot, a lot of marshals out there. Yes. And I've been to a ton of gravel races, and all of them do have a ton of marshals. I don't know about you, but I've never seen so many road cones and, and, and what do you call it, the steel... Yeah, fencing. Fencing. Barriers, yeah. As here. Yeah. Yeah, I, I rolled in last night with John Tarkington of USA Cycling. Mm-hmm. And not ironically, like, we got in at night and I saw fencing and I was like, what is going on here? Yeah. Like, I literally did not cross my tiny brain that a bike race had set up two days before yeah. that thoroughly. Um, it is this mashup it, of it, road racing and gravel. Here we are. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, but everybody loves to bag on USA Cycling and the man, but there is something to be said for, uh, you know, decades of best practices as far as safety. Mm -hmm. Many of those lessons learned the hard way. Mm -hmm. And yeah, that does cost money. Like, the barriers aren't free, and police aren't free, and permits aren't free. But, you know, I was talking with Matt Stevens, for instance, um, Mm -hmm. earlier, who's like, you know, we're talking about uh, Mid South, how as far as the finishing shoot, and I love that event. Right, you know, love that event. Coming into town, if you're not the you know top five on the bumper of the car, you're freelancing it, right? And, 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 and I can and attest a, that even the top five are freelancing it. And yeah, yeah, there's stop sign and and there's your point being to there, the, there's to police the uneducated off, there's, listener. Yeah, you're blazing through open roads blazing through open roads and there are some cops out there and some well-meaning volunteers but there's also a city of people who are driving their vehicles on roads unaware that a bunch of people in stretchy pants are trying to get to a finish line first so if you come screaming through a stop sign certainly a red light like it's a friggin gamble mm-hmm. and you know Matt seems to say yeah back in the day when there's you know OG gravel days yeah. he's like when there was five of us that felt you know there's always been a risk but that felt safer and now if there's a group of 40 and you've got your head on somebody's hip in the wind and you're just kind of pat mentality well somebody probably looked before we crossed the highway yeah um usa cycling for all of its faults does does its homework about (laughs) and that's that is going to be ever 100% 100% safe. Mm-hmm. Um, but they just take a lot more into consideration and pay for those things to happen. So like talking to Marcel Van Garderen, Moto, one of the many Moto refs, like months ago, was already thinking mm-hmm. about how he's going to work with his team to research the course and work with writers. And and that's... And you could say, oh, that gravel's too serious. I'm like, put... Safe, you know. Dying is serious. Dying is serious, and people by car is serious. Yeah, and people have died in gravel races. People have hit, been hit by cars Mm -hmm. in races. Mm -hmm. So, uh, I'll gladly pay a few more bucks to have a few more Marcells out there, for sure. Marcel the Marshall. Yes. Have you been getting the texts from the race? Yeah. Like. Okay, yeah. on a slightly different end of the spectrum, that's that's really cool. Yeah, as as former event promoters ourselves, my wife and I, we got texts at point to point last yeah. weekend in yeah. Park City. It's like, man, that is so dialed. Yeah, I love that. 
Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. It's the professionalization of the sport to get to the point that we have a national championship. The curmudgeon in me still says, this is silly. Why aren't we still all racing for belt buckles and nothing? But no, the, the sport is professional. There are serious dollars. There are, we're making livelihoods. There are many of us making livelihoods and, and we're selling a lot of bikes. And there's a lot happening. So I am just like you, very happy to be racing on a safer course than a heck of a lot of other ones out there. Yeah. Yeah. The, the prize money is an interesting thing. Oh, man. Yeah. So I guess one day payout in America, right? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Um, you know, Living in Boulder, there's a 10K foot race, the Boulder Boulder, which yeah. draws crazy amounts of people. 50,000 people will do that thing. Mm-hmm. I've done that. I'm not a runner, and most people there will do it It's as a community thing. It's you'd something you do with your kids and your neighbors, and you, you hit the slip and slide over in Frank's yard, and I could get a jello shot over from <laughs> over from Beth, who's handing those out. I'm bonking. I need a jello and, shot. And, yeah, and it's like 7 a.m., you know? And there is a pro component where there's some of the world's best runners there where you look at their times but you know there's always the debate how much does the presence or absence of those elite athletes influence people who are buying bib numbers to just do their annual 10k you know very few if any so that's that's always kind of the seesaw with this like as you know i love i'm stoked to, to see what comes out of the pro event tomorrow mm-hmm. uh, i wish there was more women i wish there was bigger fields yeah um but yeah I, I, yeah because you, you always want to see not just who happens to show up you want to see the best in the game go at it you know that's what makes sports fantastic mm-hmm. <laughs> from a spectator standpoint mm-hmm. is gravel a spectator sport yet not entirely it's 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 from social media yeah, that's where people are spectating. Right yeah, now. but you know, but I would I would venture to guess that 100 percent of the people who follow gravel from some sort of spectator standpoint are participants themselves, at least in some type of cycling, right? So it's like, how do we? I would hazard to say yes. Yeah. So how would you make that experience as accessible and as enticing and as rewarding and as safe as possible? And you know, hopefully, both boats can rise together. But I don't know. With with your event, why did you decide to pull the plug on that? Um, I know you. Any number of reasons. Safety was certainly one of them. Uh, we I consider riding in Vermont quite safe. We happen to live in the busiest county in Vermont, fifteen minutes away from the biggest city in Vermont. So as much as they are open roads, uh, quiet roads rather, they are still. Yeah, they're trafficked. Um, our final year, yeah, I sat in the follow car of the lead group, and I watched the best riders in the race make questionable decisions, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. I guess just with a different perspective, as opposed to being a racer. Sure, you, you take on a heck of a lot of risk as a racer, but being an observer was a different perspective. Um, and then just where we are and were in life, um, we, had, we had just... At that point, we had a one-and-a-half-month-old and two-year-old. And then our other event uh, owner also has two young children. It's just 
In a word, it's a lot. And then, but, <laughs> but then I qualify that with, okay, Laura and Kristen, they basically ran the event. I was the face of it to, to a large degree, but I didn't do a fraction of the work that they did. And those two would never shy away from too much work. So it wasn't just the work thing. It wasn't like, ooh, this is a lot. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think there's a, there is an assumption that people do quick math. X number of riders, X number of reg dollars. They're like, oh my gosh, people are just breaking in the money every year. Just keep on doing that. And it's like, no, no, no. Uh, the juice was not uh, worth the squeeze. Uh, um, yeah, events are a tough business for sure. It's fascinating. I mean, there, there's, I feel like there is sort of an homogenization of gravel events because I feel like a lot of events want to be the big events. Mm-hmm. And there's not a, there's not a single formula, but man, I mean, how do you, how do you become a lifetime? Well, you acquire <laughs> the biggest races in the world mm-hmm. with the backing of a couple billion dollars. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I mean, if the homogenization ends up with safer events, I'm a happy camper. I, I, I love doing small events. I think those are still great. I think those are a heck of a lot of fun. And I just really hope that those event promoters continue to want to do it because it's after three, four, five years, you're like, gosh, how, <laughs> how much do I want to do it? Good question. Yourself? Uh, I mean, the question, I guess, I extrapolate that answer a long way. How many events do you suppose you do a year? This year, I probably will do 15, somewhere about around there of all sizes um of all sizes yeah mostly you know i like to do most of the big ones like i saw you at Mm mid-south that was love that event Mm -hmm. um and bob and crystal wintle and team do a great job making it a multi-day weekend thing you know that was a festival this year felt really special yeah it's like the first blowout in a very positive way after pandemic yes yeah, so like going on the the George ride, and there's like 300 people in Canadian tuxedos, <laughs> like on a Friday or Thursday or whatever it was, and yeah, um, yeah. So that's that's one of the the shining stars of like, yeah, this is what every not every promoter, but I think a lot of promoters are look at that with envy and admiration. And some of that's <clears throat> that's their community. You know, they're not trying to do a pop up shop like that's. They'll be there today and tomorrow and the day after. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, yeah, so I try to do. Yeah, I consider that a big event: Mid South Unbound Steamboat, Belgium Off Ride, a couple of those. Um, but then yeah, I like doing littler, smaller ones because there's less pressure and pretension, and uh, if yeah, I get to meet new folks, see new places, and um, you know, I still lean heavily on the the promotion the self-promotion that events will do and just the interest that's already there I mean that's part of my selfish interest in going to an Unbound is that you know, like the first video I did out of the gate was you know Unbound Gravel Test with Peter Sagan mm-hmm. like you know just ah. trying to piggyback on interest around that thing and that person smart move um and, you know, let the record show, like, on the results sheet that day. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Peter Sagan, who pulled over and, like, had a sandwich and got a massage, finished down the list. <laughs> um, I don't know what you say. You beat him. 
Uh, what What are you doing tomorrow? Tomorrow I'm doing the. You know I'm 47, so God damn it, I'm gonna try to win the 45 plus Ted King. I want a jersey. Well done. Um, I did the list of things I made fun of, and now I'm fired okay. up about. So yeah, but do the. Do the bike race tomorrow, and then yeah, go talk to people like yourself afterwards. And that's you know what I'm thing I'm really <clears throat> enjoying about gravel in general. What I'm doing with the ride is it's kind of a melding of the human interest, being able to you know go up talk to whoever about whatever. Not that they'll necessarily answer. Or, you know, sometimes people walk away when you ask questions. We haven't had so much you know doping questions is back in the day in road racing where people would just walk away or slam the door in your face but yeah um it might be an inevitability though there's yeah i'm sure it's coming if it's not here already mm-hmm. um yeah just being able to uh, talk to the the teds and the keegans and the you know the lauren stevens like the best in the game right now uh, and still play myself and talk about bikes and tires and have a beer like it's it's just a nice kind of happy potluck church Sunday thing all on a Saturday morning all on a yeah early Saturday morning so I love it well I'm excited we're here I'm excited I watched that video of your production here in Gearing Nebraska uh and thank you very much for the time my honor like I said before the thing I asked you for I don't know how many interviews throughout the year so happy to be able to reciprocate thanks for having me it was a pleasure Thank you, Ben. Thank you, listeners. Hey, the same reel as at the top of the show. Ask me those questions. Submit any question you have to heistedking at gmail.com or send them over via direct message. AMA. Send your questions in. We'll amalgamate them and make a whole show of it. Try out Whoop for free with the website join.whoop.com slash ted. Join.whoop.com slash ted. Join me, my family, my friends on the 13th annual King Challenge. That is October 21st in Stratham, New Hampshire. I think that's it. That's all. Ladies and gentlemen, until next time, please enjoy the ride.